Hello, everyone. My name is Graham Waldrop, and alongside me, as always, is Adam Kalal, and we are Atlanta's own two Atlanta natives dissecting the week that was in Atlanta professional sports with insight, analysis, and bizarre bullshit. Adam, how's it going, sir? It's going well. Doing great. Uh, got back from Cobb County last night, which was an interesting uh, trek up there. Wasn't as terrible as everyone made it out to seem. Traffic, about 25 minutes up, 15 minutes back. Solid. Um, but it just felt off, not being in downtown Atlanta. Yeah, I'm sure. I mean, we were texting each other. You were getting a little emotional on me. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was, it was a lot of ups and downs for me. Um, the stadium is amazing. I'll, I will say that much. Completely get why they did that. Wish that could just be plopped in downtown Atlanta, though. The, um, the parking lot, it's definitely no blue lot. I'll tell you that much. A little nicer. Oh, no, it was shitty. Oh, really? Yeah, it was like, um, I generally felt like I was like at my dentist parking lot or something. Just very office buildings everywhere. There was no trees. No that was the great thing about the blue lot. If you're meeting people, you just say, hey, we're at the right island. Find us there. Right. And Easy to pick that out. This place, I was just wandering around like an idiot, yeah. not knowing where to go. Um, but that's outside the park. But yeah, inside, it, it, was, it truly was amazing. And... With the whole um, unveiling of the retired numbers, I was quite emotional. Glad I was there for that. Yeah, it was pretty special. Historic, if you will. Um, yeah, so we'll get into that and a whole bunch of other stuff. So we're going to be covering today, uh, doing a Braves recap. Um, we'll go into a little deep dive of the stadium and then compare it a little bit with uh, Turner. Turner Field. The TED. And then we'll be doing a uh, Hawks playoff preview. And there's not really that much... Um, there's not really that much uh, Falcons news, so we'll be mostly ignoring the Falcons this week. And uh, we'll have our first interview with a special guest that we actually pulled off the street who is sitting on Adam's couch right now. Yeah, we, we don't know what this guy's deal is. He was just talking a lot about the Masters, and uh, he was saying, you know, I really want to talk to the ma- uh, about the Masters to somebody. Like, hey, we were about to record a podcast. Are you interested? Yeah, he, he said he only wants to talk to the top Atlanta sports podcast. Um so we lied to him. They have about 45 views per week. Or yes. Lessons. So, uh, yeah. So look, look forward to that special guest. Yeah. He wants to keep his identity secret, though. So don't... We're not going to say his name. It'll be an interesting interview. Indeed. Uh, so, jumping right into it. Um, with the Braves, uh, we split with the Marlins. Uh, had two-game series. Baseball's doing this weird thing where they're starting to do two-game series. And uh, they, they do two-game series usually on interleague play sometimes. They'll do, like, two away, two home. Uh, back to back, but now we're starting to see this within the division, which is quite strange to me. I know um, Orioles and Blue Jays did it as well. I really don't get it. It's kind of confusing. Why can't we just do a three game series like normal? Right. But uh, this is beside the point. It's just it's just kind of bizarre to me. Anyway, so the first game of the Marlins was bad. We lost eight to four. Bartolo did not look like himself. Yeah, uh, that, was, that was upsetting. He was shelled. Um, needed thirty five pitches to get out of the first inning. Gave up three runs in the first inning. And uh, Marquecas was really the only bright spot. Um, you know, he has gotten a hit in every single game so far this year. I think that's when he moved his hitting streak to seven, uh, hit his first bomb of the season. Um, he's really stepped up, particularly since uh, Matt Kemp went on the 10-day disabled list, um, I think, on Sunday. Yeah, definitely a steady bat to have in the middle of the lineup, and glad we have him. Yeah, he's just Mr. Consistency there. Yep. Um, steady Eddie. 
Yep. So it was a really bad game overall for Bartolo. And then Fulte came in in relief and gave up two runs. Um, yeah, what was up with that? Just because they pushed him? They wanted to give him give Yeah, him I think they work. wanted to give him some work. But I, I don't like that um, because I think he should just we should just be treating Fulte as like, you know, to me as a pitcher, especially with a guy that has head problems, not to say that Fulte has head problems, but, you know, he's got uh, issues in terms of, um, you know, staying mentally strong in, in the, the game, game right you know to fuck with the guy's role like that so early in the season you know that's going to get his the wheels spinning in his head and i, yeah. I really don't like that move by, St- by snicker and starting pitchers are really all about routine doing the same thing week in and week out yeah so, so that messes with your routine and so he gave up two runs and two innings didn't look very good uh really bad game all the way around lost eight to four mm-hmm. um I'm sure he wasn't expecting to come into the game. Probably had a couple beers in him in the clubhouse, and I, he's got to go down to the bullpen. I think they announced it was planned, but even still, regardless of if it was planned or not, it's just not a good move when you're saying, hey, um, you know, pretty much second-year starter, um, you're going to be putting the bullpen in between your first and second start. I just got to start the season out with some consistency. I don't really get the move by Snicker there. Snickers are he's already had a couple of uh, questionable – yeah, like on, with the pitching staff on that, Sunday, not leaving Tehran in. He's only 87 pitches deep going into the. Uh, he's he's pitched seven innings. He had great command that day, yeah. and it's like, oh, we're gonna pull him. And then the bullpen, bullpen sort of bull, fell apart. And then the bullpen. Yeah. So, um, and I know he used the uh, it wasn't an excuse, but the rationale that it, you know it's early in the year, guys are still getting stretched out. I don't want to push him that hard, but um, well, Tehran, he was in the World Baseball Classic, so he's. Yeah, he's ramped up. He's been ramped up, yeah. So I didn't really get that move. But I guess there's a difference, too, between doing it early in the year and then let's say it's like his fifth start and you're doing that. And you're, then it's more of a what the fuck. But right. overall, uh, not too, too concerned about that. We finally got back in the win column to pull to 2-6 and six on, uh, what was it, Tuesday or Wednesday? Oh, it was of, yeah, it was it Wednesday. Um, against the Marlins. Um, won that game 5-4, to four, I believe. Much uh, needed win. Yes, uh, led offensively by the slumping Ender in Ender, yeah. Who are, went? Are you still calling him slumping? Well, at that point he was slumping. Yeah, uh, he went deep twice. Um, Marlins were paced offensively by Giancarlo Stanton, who we usually own. He had a, like a one sixteen batting average against us last year, but he shelled uh, newcomer Jaime Garcia, who he's had a lot of career success with. Um, he, you know, his production comprised their entire offense mm-hmm. uh, with two homers. The second. Uh, at bat was really frustrating because Jaime misses wild outside the first mm-hmm. pitch, and then he just throws meatball after meatball after meatball to John Carlos. And like every pitch was like in the zone, he was right on it. Fallon pitches off, and he throws another one, finally hits a and crushes it, four hundred eighty feet. Yeah, and so that was uh, that put him up four to three. Um, but then Ender matched him, pulled them to a tie, four to four, and then Tyler Flowers. Yeah, uh, good boy. Up, yeah, comes up with a decisive blow, driving in Brandon Phillips um, against the normally steady Marlins closer, A.J. Ramos. So that was encouraging. Flowers has really picked up where he left off last year yeah, for the most he, part. Yeah, he had, uh, I think it was two for three last night yeah, as well. he's in 375 the for the And year. he threw somebody out at second. That was a miracle. Yeah. Um, yeah, good to have him swinging the bat still, though. Yeah. Uh, the bullpen was spotless in that last game against the Marlins. They definitely settled down since Sunday yeah. and since that first week. Flaherty, Ramirez, uh, Vizcaino, and Jim Johnson all pitched one inning each and allowed uh, no hits or runs. So really well done by those guys. Yeah, good Good to string a couple wins together um, before it got two out of hand with that uh, one, in, what, one in five start. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, Freddie also hit a home run against the Marlins in that uh, – to cap off that uh, that series, so that was good to see. 
Um, last night, Braves opened at SunTrust Park in style, uh, won 5-2. to two. Uh, we're paced offensively by the incredibly steady Marquecas, who we already mentioned, hit streaks at nine games. Um, puts us up 2 nothing with a two-run double. What was that, the second inning, third inning? First inning. First inning. Yeah. So that was cool. Yeah, great to get some runs on the board early. Yeah. Uh, Tehran was a little wild last night. Um, lasted six innings. This was a lot like his first start to me. His pitch count was really up through like three innings, I think. Three or four innings, he'd thrown about 70, 80 pitches, something like that. Yeah. Definitely wasn't sharp. Had four walks and five strikeouts. Hit a couple of guys. Um, did not look good. Don't think he really had a clean inning. But um, the gutted, Padres... Gutted through it, though. Gutted through it. The Padres only seemed to score when Chassin was on base, which I thought was really funny. Gave up that shitty dribbler. That that pissed me off. To Got two runs out of that. Yeah. That, so, that whole... Um, that was early in the game, too. I think it was the second inning. Yeah, second or third inning. Um, and, um, yeah, that whole rally started with a... Hit by pitch. Yeah. Yeah, they're two outs, and then yeah. Julio drills some dude. Yeah, and then Chastain gets this little dribbler up the line, um, almost like a swinging bunt, and Chastain uh, gets on base, and they score a run there. Um, he did redeem himself a little bit at the plate and actually scored the go-ahead. Yeah, that, or uh, hit the go-ahead single to put us up 3-2. to two. Which allowed him to get a win. Yeah. Um, and Ciarte hit another bomb, two-run bomb, to put the nail in the coffin. Uh, Two-run shot to right field, and he has now equaled his home run total from last year through nine games. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. So yeah, he, and he, he's going down in history in a lot of places. Yeah. The first ever first hit. hit. First, I think he was first out as first well. First out, first homer. Yeah. Um, so pretty cool night for him. I love, I'm really noticing more and more of the passion with which he plays. He's very expressive. Mm-hmm. Uh, brings a certain level of fire to the team. I know it's not really like, you know, something that you can analyze with stats or anything like that, but it's, it's nice to see someone showing... A good emotion, not like bad emotion in the sense that he's being a pissant. He's just yeah. really invested in the game to the point where he's showing a little fire. Um, so I like to see that. My uh, my wife last night at the game, she's not super familiar with the roster despite listening to all of our podcasts and the exclusive uh, Braves preview that we did. Uh, but she's been looking for a new favorite player ever since McCann. Mm-hmm. She chose Brian McCann mainly based off of his beard years ago. But that's a good choice as a, as a favorite Brave. And then uh, last night, she chose Ender before he did all this shit. Oh, really? Just good luck charm. Just because he's Venezuelan and good-looking, apparently. Yeah, he's like the new Prado. Remember all the women love Prado yeah. when he was here? And yeah. now I think NCRT is the new Prado. Good for him. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, bullpen was really effective again. Um, Ramirez, the movement on his fastball was just electric. I, I don't know. Where'd you set last night? I don't even know what the hell to call it. Section 317, wherever that is. Was that but where in the, it, in the it, field? It was like, so we got the four decks. So it was in the third deck down the first baseline. Okay. Pretty good seats. Yeah. But, I mean, like on TV when I was watching, I mean, his yeah, I fastball. Yeah, right. But his fastball was just moving. Oh, yeah. He wasn't just throwing hard. He was actually, like, locating. Right. Which I know has been one of his big criticisms. So he looked really good. They all pitched an inning with a, uh, with a strikeout each. And uh, only Johnson gave up a single. Uh, that was the only blemish on the bullpen's uh, ledger there last night. Yeah. But um, I never had that. I never had that feeling that we were going to blow that game once the bullpen came in, which is nice for a change. Yeah, no, they're really. They made quick work of it this week. They're putting their their stamp on it. They're uh, they're showing that you know we don't need to have this real big knee jerk reaction to uh, you know just one week of baseball. Um, but I am going to have a little bit of a knee jerk reaction to Julio, just a little bit. Um, really. Uh, Two out of three starts have been quite inconsistent in terms of his control. He's walking a lot of guys. He's hitting people. 
He's uh, missing location a lot. He looked great against Pittsburgh, but the Mets game in this game last night, I mean, I think if we play a better team last night, we definitely could have lost that game. Yeah, yeah, too many runners on base. Uh, but I mean, I'm not he's, like he's only given up two runs through three starts. Though. Yeah, but eventually, you know, if you keep putting that many, if your walk ratio is or strikeout to walk ratio is five to four, and you're putting guys on base like that, you're gonna start giving up runs. So just a little concern, uh, you know, when you have a five strikeout to four walk ratio, guys are eventually gonna start breaking through. So hopefully he can clean that up. But I'm yeah, just I'd say on a scale of one to ten, I'm like at a. A three right now with Julio. Just I'm noticing it. I'm not going to be get too freaked out, but I'm noticing. You got your it. eye on him. Huh? I got my eye on him. Um, so yeah, but overall the Braves definitely looked better this week offensively. And while the starting pitching was a little inconsistent um, in terms of effectiveness, uh, they pitched well enough to keep us in the game at the end of the day. And the bullpen has been in total shutdown mode, so that was nice to see. Fewer errors in the in the field, um, but Swanson, uh, Dansby Swanson, and Adonis Garcia are still definitely struggling. They're both hitting like. 150. Yeah, Dansby's, Dansby's pressing a little bit. I'm sure. I'm, I'm so. Who's our? I guess who? Who's our backup at short nowadays? I guess it's. Um, it's a good question. Would Jace play short? Jace can play short. Oh, and we also got Darno. Yeah, and Darno hasn't seen the field at all. Bonifacio can technically play short, but yeah. I don't want to see him there. Maybe give him like maybe give Dansby Sunday off. Let him. Yeah, let him work slow on some down stuff a little bit, or just relax. Yeah. Um. He did put a good jolt into a ball last night, but I mean. Overall, he's yeah, he hasn't looked good. Pressing, yeah, just definitely pressing. Um, so the Braves are now three and six, and are have moved out of the cellar in the NL East to fourth place over Philadelphia. So got to take two of three from San Diego, and they're they have all of our uh, retreads, which is pretty funny. Seeing Eric Ibar, up yeah, there last Eric night. Ibar got plunked right in the ass last yeah. night, which is funny. I, I booed his ass pretty hard oh, did when you? he got introduced, just because he sucked. For oh, us. that was you that I heard. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> the, the the loud, obnoxious one. Yeah. Um. So, Adam, take us a little bit through uh, a little deep dive into the SunTrust Park experience. Everything from commute to uh, what's in there, food, beer, Ooh, okay. every, everything yeah. that uh, you want to talk so, about. I do have a couple of complaints, but a lot of positives too. So, getting up there. Um, I had to call Graham on the way because I was just very confused. Like, I typed in uh, that I was going to the Braves game in the old GPS, and it started sending me up 75 north, which that couldn't. I thought they were taking me a roundabout way to get to the TED, but it's impossible. Turns out we have a new ballpark up there in Cobb County. Um, I remember when you called me. I, uh, I was at first. I was like, "What the fuck are you talking about, you moron?" And I was like, "Oh, he's doing a joke. It was just a bit." Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, we we left at like three o'clock. Um, got up there in a tight twenty-five minutes. That's which, impressive. Yeah. What? Not not bad at all. So getting up there wasn't wasn't that bad. Um, found the parking lot, which I said not the blue lot. A little disappointing. Um. But there were a bunch of people up there there tailgating, which is pretty cool. Um, the people we were with, I thought this was sweet. So it was a man, probably about 65, that was hosting the tailgate. And they've been to every single home opener for the past, like, 35 years. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, him and his two friends. And he was kind of just squawking about how it's uh, pretty great that he's got these childhood friends that he still now sees... Every day, and he's 65 now. So I was like, well, hopefully that's what we got going on, too. Yeah, that'd be cool. Um, Definitely. 
But yeah, so they've three different stadiums they've uh, been to for all these home openers. So the liquor now. hasn't killed them yet. Nope, nope. They're they're still uh, still kicking it. Um, yeah, good little tailgate, but it like I said, it just felt a little off. Um, while I'm sitting there and drinking my beers at the tailgate, I crushed a couple cans, and normally there's some dude. Uh, rolling up with a big shopping cart to collect all the cans immediately. Mm-hmm. Uh, not the case in Cobb County. Did you have to recycle them yourself? Yeah. <laughs> Man, that's fucked up. Right. No one made any money off of those cans. So that's, that's a different feel than Atlanta, that's for sure. Yeah, even on the pedestrian bridge, we're walking over. Yeah, no Gambling Sam. Remember Gambling Sam, that crazy oh, son yeah. of a bitch? That's some, right. Some old uh, homeless guy that would come up and... Didn't he rip off our good friend Gabe Peacock once? Oh, and me. Yeah, he took, oh, yeah, he took 20 bucks from me with uh, one of the, the cap game. That, so that no Gambling Sam around these parts. Even things like the pedestrian walkway, which was super nice. So that's actually open. Well, this this wasn't the same one. This wasn't the one over 285. How far did you have to walk from where you parked to the stadium? Uh, about five minutes. Okay. Yeah. I mean, the, the parking lots were really well spread out, mm-hmm. um, which is definitely a good thing. So I didn't notice a ton of traffic leaving either. Yeah. No street vendors. No street vendors. Yeah. The worst part was after, uh, after the game, I could have definitely gone for an ice cold $1 water. Absolutely nothing. nobody. Nobody's selling them. So like the end of the bridge, I was thinking that we should, uh, set up a little shop, promote the show and sell some. Yeah, ice cold one dollar water that might be a great idea. Up there, you could probably get away with ice cold three dollar water. Absolutely, even. yeah. And the, the new clientele at the Braves games. Yeah, so I was impressed going in the stadium. First thing I did was find the bathroom. Um, very nice bathrooms. No urinal uh, trough like Fulton County. No stadium. troughs, and all of the urinals actually had um, the guards, the dividers oh, between. Wow. So like you so don't you, have some guy splashing on you, right? Kind of nice. Distracted by a monster cockroach. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. You don't have to feel bad about yourself. <laughs> um, but yeah, like you walk in there and there were like 40 urinals plus like 10 stalls. It's pretty impressive. Um, a lot cleaner. Beer vendors everywhere. Although my issue is it's all Miller Coors now. I, okay. I know you're not a beer man. Not but a beer man. You, you can't get a Bud Light in the place if you wanted to. So you can't get Bud Light. Can you get um, Sweetwater? No, so um, Terrapin, because they're part of Miller Coors, so Terrapin has... And they have their own little place there, too. Yeah, right? they have their own brewery there, which is cool, but, I mean, Sweetwater kind of messed that one up to, I mean, the biggest brewery in Atlanta, and you can't buy a Sweetwater in the stadium That is all. interesting, because yeah. I kept hearing, uh, I know 680 was like, we're broadcasting from the Terrapin Brewery or whatever at SunTrust Park, yep. or a Terrapin restaurant, whatever, and I was like, I'm not, as Adam mentioned, not a beer guy, liquor guy, but I was like, I know what the fuck Sweetwater is. Right. And I'm like, where the hell is Sweetwater? Yeah, can't, can't get one there, um, which is also different. Um, but yeah, I mean, a ton of food options. Seems like they had everything spread out really well, so lines weren't horrendous. Mm-hmm. Did you uh, get any food in there? I got a Chick-fil-A sandwich. I, I would. How much did that cost you? Seven bucks. That's ridiculous. Yeah. And I tried to get some fries. She was like, we don't have waffle fries. We got waffle chips. Waffle chips. Yeah. The fuck are waffle chips? Exactly. I, I That's un-American. I, I didn't get them. Yeah. It's a wise decision, my yeah. friend. Um, what other questions do I have? So in terms of your seats, so you sat first base side. First base South side. territory. Yep. They made a big deal about the seats being closer to the field, more so than Turner Field. If you had to compare, I guess, the experiences from, you've sat everywhere in Turner Field, so 
how would you compare the it was view? Def- it was definitely a lot closer than like any upper deck seat from the TED. That's for sure. And you were in the upper deck, you'd say? Uh, third or four decks. Okay. So, um, I don't. I guess the equivalent would be like the um, Lexus level or whatever it was. Okay. At Turner Field, but it, it felt like a better view than that. That's gotcha. for sure. Okay. Yeah. Um, no, I mean it's a it's a really sweet ballpark. How um, was the? Uh, how was it with less people? A normal sellout, I think Turner Field is 50. This is 41. 41, yeah. I heard it gets quite, it was a lot of people on the radio saying it's really noisy with 20,000 people when they have the Yankees game. I guess, in terms of if you can compare experiences with big crowds at Turner Field, what would, what would you think? It didn't honestly feel as like electric mm-hmm. as a huge crowd at the TED. It was different. Yeah, how so? Um, it just, I, I never thought it was that loud. Really? Yeah. Um, and even like the tomahawk chops, everyone had like the TED, it was always like a sea of red. Mm-hmm. I didn't get that feel here, maybe because it's tiered more. Hmm. So that that used to be something that would always bring me chills. The yeah, when you walk around, it's just everybody yeah, doing yeah. the chop and you can see everybody. Yeah, it's just a different view. Yeah. Um, Interesting. Did you go to the. Uh, any of like the uh, the, the new chop house or no, Xfinity sky roof or whatever they no, I, did, I figure I'll be bopping around there on little uh, smaller crowd days. Mm-hmm. I kind of just stuck to my seats gotcha. and watched the game. I will say the one thing I could tell from the the crowd there was uh, a lot of people were there just for the with the pomp of it all. The uh, it's just like being an event. But mm-hmm. once they were like announcing the Braves roster, you could tell everyone was like, "Who the hell are these guys?" Yeah. Yeah, Freddie got a big cheer and Bartolo, and that was about that's it. That's about it. Yeah. Not even Dansby? Dansby. Yeah, Dansby got a good cheer. Yeah. But yeah, everyone else was like, they're like, who the hell are any of these people? Mm. Yeah. Um, did you... Pretty on par for Atlanta crowds, though. Yeah. You get caught up in the event of it sometimes. Yep. Um, hopefully some more hardcore fans are able to come out in the near future. I know a lot of people have sworn off the Braves, particularly some people living in Decatur, city of Decatur, and have said, you know, we'll follow the team, but we're not going to go out there to support them because they're pissed off that they moved. Yeah. A lot of City of Atlanta. That's what like I said too. as well, and then I'm at the first game. Yeah. So, um... I, I give it four years before I... Get used to it. Yeah. I'm, I'm definitely going to be a Turner Field uh, snob and shit on the things that are different for a while. I will say, you know what looks really sweet that I would like to, like, I don't know, I guess you have to have a big party, but they have that, you see the below the chop area? Yes, that looks awesome. Where all I, it is is like a chain link fence. I want to go there. You. I want to go there when the Nationals come and har- harass the fuck out of Bryce Harper. But you have to. It's it's like private event space. Yes, I know. You have to pay like ninety bucks a head and stuff. Is that it? Yeah, I guess that's a lot of money. It is. Um, but I do want to go there once when the Nationals come and just harass the fuck out of oh, him. Oh yeah. Because ever since he said after they signed Scherzer, you know, once they signed Scherzer, he's like, oh. You know, I, I just thought once we signed him, you know, where's my ring? Like, he's automatically thinking they're, they've won the World Series. Right. And they haven't won shit since Scherzer came. They won the division a couple of times. They haven't won a playoff round. Fucking hate him for that <laughs> because of the arrogance that that talented bastard has saying that they've automatically won the World Series and they can't even win a playoff series. So, Sir, you just... I, so I pretty much every time I've gone to a Nationals game, I just, and I've sat in right field, which has been three or four times since he said that, I just scream at him the whole inning, where's your ring? Where's your ring? I'm sure it gets on his nerves. I'm sure you're really getting in his head. I hope I am. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he has a single tear coming down. Good. He's right. Where is he? He's going to be ring? making $500 million in next year, so he can't uh, complain about anything as no. far as I'm concerned. No, no. Um, 
and he, he's asking for it. When you say something like that, you don't follow it up, um, you're going to get harassed about it. And I hope more people do that. That's to just keep your mouth shut and perform. Exactly. Um, so anyways, uh, moving on, a little Ted uh, Turner Field retrospective. A lot of people on the radio uh, seem to look back on Turner Field with great disdain, and they're jerking off the new park, SunTrust Park, and deservedly so, it seems. It seems like a beautiful stadium, and Adam has confirmed this. Uh, at the same time, I look back on Turner Field with more fond- fondness than I do dissatisfaction. Um, because despite the fact, and what everyone points out, is despite the fact that multiple teams had postseason celebrations on our field that weren't the Braves, you know, the Giants, the Cubs, the Cardinals, the list goes on. I don't want to... <laughs> don't, don't, don't depress us, Graham. Yeah, Cardinals twice. Uh, yeah, I don't want to depress us too much. So, you know, despite the fact that multiple teams had postseason celebrations on our field, visiting teams, and we lost so many other heartbreakers, uh, there are also some great moments. You think about Andrew Jones' incredible catch against the center field wall where he leapt, looked over his shoulder, caught it, and then collided with the wall in midair. I mean, that was that's one of the greatest catches yeah, I've ever seen. I remember you can see those cleat marks in the fence yeah. for, like, the rest of the year. It was fucking epic. Yep. I was there for that. Uh, Chipper's walk-off blast against Philly in his last season. That was amazing. Uh, Hayward's opening day bomb in 2010. Hayward! His first at-bat. Eddie Perez going deep twice in the NLCS in 1999. I was there for that. That was unfreaking believable. The whole crowd screaming, Eddie, Eddie, mm-hmm. Eddie, getting into it. Yeah, it was one of the best Braves chants ever for good old Eddie. Yeah. Um, the walk-off walk in the 1999 NLCS when we beat the Mets to go to the World Series. Uh, the All-Star game when it was there when Chipper hit the home run in 2000. I saw one of the best uh, jerseys I've seen in a long time. Chipper Jones, uh, 2000 National League All-Star. Someone was rocking that out you, in Cobb County yesterday. You don't see that too often. No, That's I never great. have seen it. Uh, Hensky's 2010 pinch hit bomb in the 2010 uh, NLDS Game 3, which we talked about last week. Uh, winning Bobby Cox's last regular season games. Kimbrell closing games was electric as all hell. Smoltz closing games. We also consistently watched, and there's tons of more memories I'm forgetting about or not mentioning, but... We consistently watched three current Hall of Fame pitchers and one future Hall of Fame third baseman cement their legacy as some of the all-time great players at their position and a legendary manager, one of the greatest of all time, and a guy that won 10 straight gold gloves in Andrew Jones. We witnessed that at Turner Field from 1997 until last year. And so you can point to the Cubs in 03. You can point to the Giants in 2010. The wild card game was the one of the worst things I've ever experienced. The 99 World Series is another one of the worst things I've ever experienced. <laughs> the 2011 collapse. You can point to all that shit as horrific experiences. And Turner Field as a house of horrors has earned its name. But at the same time, we watched some damn good baseball at Turner Field. I grew up there, and it was a nice stadium that met its demise far too early as the home of the Braves. I think it's a damn shame that people focus only on the negative as opposed to the many great moments that did happen at that stadium. Graham, to play a devil's advocate and not to bust your little nostalgic... Those are all facts, though. <laughs> Those are facts, but what's it have to do with the physical stadium? Or the, or the crowds that came there? Well, that's what everyone's seen. Any of their reasons for moving the stadium? Well, that's a whole other discussion. Those moments would have happened at any stadium. They could have, but I'm just saying they happened at Turner Field. And a lot of people will point out that the only reason they don't like Turner Field is either, one, my seat is too far away because this was an Olympic stadium that was renovated for baseball, and two... There's nothing to do around the stadium. There's, well, they don't go into that as much before they mention all the horrific things that have happened at Turner Field. I can't argue against that, but no one mentions these amazing moments. No one mentions this shit. 
No one mentions what I just said when they, <laughs> when they talk about Turner Field because they're so obsessed with this new stadium. And yeah, we can get into the politics of moving to Cobb County and how great SunTrust Park is and all that stuff. But I just think Turner Field deserves some credit. People act like it's the biggest piece of shit in the world, and it isn't. No. And it wasn't. It just wasn't. I, I understand that the whole argument that it wasn't built for baseball, though. Like I get that. It's definitely... Like, being at SunTrust, you can tell. I was like, oh, okay, this is, this is a baseball. This place is built for yeah. Braves baseball. And you could say that as well about Fulton County. I mean, that thing was, you know, I remember being very... A turd. I remember being very far away. I mean, you sit in the outfield or in your upper deck, and yeah, or in the upper deck, you feel... You felt pretty far away from what my three- to six-year-old memory can, can, <laughs> can tell me. Um, so, yeah, I, I can get that argument, but no one wants to mention these amazing moments in Turner Field. And the stadium was a good stadium. I mean, maybe it wasn't built for baseball, but, I mean, I didn't see anything. It wasn't really... a piece of shit. No. Everybody's acting like it's, like, fucking Three Rivers yeah. Stadium in Cincinnati, which was... And at the end of the day, like, 19 years, that's absurd that, like, we're only in there for 19 years and yeah. then move out, and then us taxpayers are paying for well, this. Not you. Cobb County taxpayers are... Okay, I'm okay with it then. Yeah, you're, yeah. you're not affected. They can afford it. Um... But yeah, I mean, a lot of guys on on six eighty have called. They've just focused on the negative, and I can understand that. And I focus on the negative too. But you can't discount the positive moments. You really can't. Even like the two thousand uh, home run derby. Two thousand home run derby was when, fucking amazing. When they were like, when everybody was roided, everyone was on Roy. Everyone was going up. Sammy Sosa. Yeah, I was there for that. Sammy Sosa was hitting balls over my head. I was in left field, and there was not a single. I was like five rows up. Yeah. There was not a single ball that came to me. Every ball was going. You know, where those Coke cans were that used to shoot yeah. out fireworks after home was hitting those. Sammy Sosa hit the uh, Braves Vision scoreboard like 50, like it felt like 50 That's times. That's what baseball needs to get interesting and bring steroids bring back. Bring steroids back for those 550-foot <laughs> home runs. Yeah. No, but not really. But, yeah, there were some great moments to turn field. I just want to mention that and just say, you know, before we get all giddy and, you know, envelop SunTrust Park with all this love and admiration, I just Don't think forget your field, roots. Turner Field deserves it, too. Son. Yeah, don't forget your roots, exactly. Okay, so that wraps up my Turner Field spiel. Um, moving on to a Hawks playoff preview now. Uh, Hawks are officially the five seed and will play the number four seed, Washington Wizards. Uh, the Hawks closed out strong to end the season with signature wins against Boston, Cleveland. Cleveland, again, Charlotte was not at a signature win, but they won that game by 25 points. The game was over by the second quarter. Uh, ball movement was still crisp and good. We looked like a Mike Budenholzer team from 2014-2015. So uh, we rested everybody against Indiana and lost that game. Didn't really matter. Uh, Things are looking up for the Hawks, even though it was a very small sample size. Um, It's not as grim as we were squawking about a few weeks ago. Yeah. So we're going to play the Wizards. Uh, It's a seven-game series. They have home court advantage through this series. So the series will start tomorrow on Sunday, uh, April, I think, 16th. Yeah. Sunday, April 16th at 1. Obviously, no one's interested in this series since they put it at 1 p.m. on Easter Sunday. Yes. Um, so, once again... Not the old primetime. Atlanta gets the shaft, as we <laughs> usually do. Um, so, John Wall and the Wizards are scary, guys. Um, this he, is the matchup you didn't want. This is the matchup we didn't recall. want. When we talked about this last week, we said the one team we want to avoid... Two teams we want to avoid are Cleveland in the first round and Washington. But with this, if we get through... Yeah, knock on wood. Um... We'd play Boston in the second round, right? Yes, we would. We match up pretty well against. Because they're the one. Yes. Boston won, got the one seed. So that's the good news. Yeah. So that would be good news. But this will be a test for this team. Uh, John Wall is scary. 
Uh, he averages 23 points and 10 assists and is really is the key to the series. His penetration, his ability to dish the ball, his three-point shooting are all really good. Um, we held him to 33% shooting in our four meetings against the Wizards. However, they still won three of four in our four-game season series, and uh, one of which was in convincing fashion when we were blown out by double digits at home by Washington. Yeah, it was ugly. Uh, yeah. How do you think Schroeder matches up defensively against him? You know, Dennis can be a pest defensively. I just wonder in terms of, you know, him staying locked in for 48 minutes. That's what I'm mostly concerned about. He has got to do everything in his power to try and limit John Wall. He's going to need help. We're going to have to rotate, um, you know, get some doubles with THJ uh, on on John Wall. Just you got to try and stop him from being effective, and that's we just have to contain him. As well as we can, because he's gonna he's gonna get his. But we've got to we've got to you know him shooting thirty three percent against us is a good sign. We just have to limit his effectiveness uh, moving forward in terms of the points he's scoring because he's still jacking up a lot of shots. So that you know that equates to his eighteen uh, points that he's averaging. Yeah. Um, but we gotta limit him from getting others involved, particularly uh, Bradley Beal, who was his number one running mate. Um, He's a shooting guard in the Wizards, for those that don't know. He averages 23 points a night and has averaged 21 against us all season and has been uh, definitely a pain in our ass in the past, um, not just this year, but uh, definitely in that uh, playoff series. And those guys, they're going to get theirs, that's for sure. Yeah, those two guys will get theirs. We just got to do our best against them. Um, Marcin Gortat's in the middle for the Wizards. Uh, He's averaged about 9 points, 10 rebounds against us. Uh, he's a pretty formidable force in the middle, but Dwight has done pretty well against him. Um, Are those numbers for this year, what he's done with Dwight in the uh, yes. lineup? Yes. That's so, not bad. Yeah. So, I mean, Dwight's done a decent job against him because Gortat is a guy that can get into the 15-rebound range if you if you let him. So that's good that we're limiting his second chances. Um, Otto Porter Jr. is their number three. Um, averages around 13 points a game. Not really that big of a threat. Um, and Markeith Morris is their four. Um, he's a former Toronto Raptors, having one of the better seasons he's had in a while. He's averaging uh, 17 points against us and averaging about 15 points in the regular season. So he's been effective against us definitely this year, particularly the last couple games. Um, Dwight has done really well against the Wizards, 14 points, 15 boards a game, and we're going to need him to continue to keep doing that. And, and Gortat's not the greatest defender in the world, so I'm hoping – uh, Dwight can contribute offensively as well as defensively. Uh, Paul, Hopefully he'll make some free throws. That's the biggest thing, man. If we lose a series because of him missing free throws... They're going to hack the fuck out of Words cannot describe how pissed off Because you be. know playoff basketball is different from the regular season. Hack a Dwight. The game slows down. It's more strategic. People actually give a shit on defense. Right. Um, they're going to force Dwight to make his free throws. Or, yeah, they're going to force him to... It's a strategy I've used on you in an NBA... 2K10 before. 2K8, actually. 2K8, when you're yeah. incapable of making free throws. Yeah, I, mean, I, w- I would. You hacked me for the last seven minutes of the game, and I blew a 15 point lead. It's <laughs> good, you know, they and, could easily do the same thing. And then you threw your controller into a brick wall. Yeah, and I broke it. Yeah. Um, yeah, so Dwight's definitely going to be a key either detractor or a contributor to the series. Um, so one of the key um, factors in the series is going to be Dennis Schroeder. Um, he's only averaged four assists a game against Washington, and that is very, very troubling in my eyes because when Dennis doesn't dish the ball, we are an ineffective offense. What do you think they're doing to um, lead to him only having four assists a game? Well, I think in these, from what I remember in the season series, um, that Dennis, you know, when he is not 
100% focus. Seems like he will dribble down the court, use his speed, and then jack up a 15-foot jumper or try and drive to the hole when there's like three guys there who are going to get him and not using his penetration effectively. Right, to dish. Yeah, and so that seems to be my memory of generally in the season, but I I know a couple of times when I've seen the Washington games or listened to them, I think I saw or listened to two of those this year, but seemed like just Dennis was not shooting the ball well and playing smart basketball. And so I'm pretty sure they're going to try and force him to do the same thing this time around. The hope here is we, we haven't played them since um, we've kind of gotten our heads out of our asses yes. and started playing the way we're capable yeah, of again. Real so Hawks basketball. Hopefully we're a, we're a different team yeah. now than we were. All these games against Washington came before. They came except for the exception of the game we won, which I think was during the first uh, – Couple weeks of the season, we went on that what nine and two tear. I wonder what they did, like what caused them to start playing smart basketball again. Oh, the last week or so. Yeah, you think there was like a Jason Hayward esque uh, motivational speech? I have no idea. No one's really players said only meeting. I know that Tim Hardaway said uh, last week or the week before he said something. He's like, I can't describe it, but something clicked in practice where we just sort of figured something out. They're like, oh yeah, pass the ball. Yeah, wow. move the ball around. up some bullshit. Yeah, as opposed to playing isolation and having Dennis dribble around in circles. Right. Um, but yeah, he's got to really get going, uh, Dennis does this series, and use his teammates because we have been so goddamn effective when we've done that in the last week and a half or so. Um, and Dennis has played a role in that, and I hope he continues to do that. But seeing four assists and you know averaging four assists through four games of Washington this year is certainly concerning, mm-hmm. and you definitely worry about that uh, continuing. I was squawking with someone at work the other day, and he was talking about uh, Calderon, and mm-hmm. uh, it seems like he was just saying it seems like when Jose was in the game, the ball was just moving around a lot more than with Dennis. Yeah, yeah, and I to me, kind of what you're talking about with some of your concern. That is, and you know, and Dennis just holds the ball too much. He doesn't get other guys involved as much as he should. He's incredible when he's able to penetrate effectively. Right, but you know, him dribbling around in circles and then jacking up a 15 footer is not what I want for my point guard. You know, if you had the shot, that's one thing, but get the guys involved first. There's no that reason not be to do that. Prioritize number one. Yeah. Um, Tim Hardaway Jr. Um, has been amazing over the last, really the whole year. He's just played out of his mind. Um, he's averaged 18 points um, against Washington this year. He had he dropped 29 in our last game against them. Uh, in his last 10 games, he scored 20-plus points six times and only had one game when he wasn't in double digits. Uh, I think he's the model of consistency right now. I have no worries about Tim Hardaway. Beal's not the best defender in the world. I have a feeling that Tim Hardaway is going to go off in this series, continue to play well, getting hopefully 20 points a game. Yeah, that's uh, he's really it's, – it's funny how, like, last year he was, like, benched pretty much for the whole – He was in the D League last year. Yeah, I, I mean, I think a lot of that was with his defense, though. Like, mm-hmm. Bud saw you. He was used to playing New York Knicks basketball, yeah. And Bud just wanted to show him we, we do more than just jack up threes here, son. Right. Um, but yeah, you're right. He's been incredibly consistent, and he's that one guy that is, um, to me, offensively, could be the potential superstar for us. An X factor, if you will. Actually. Yeah. I don't know if he's a superstar, but he can be. But he can go off. He's like a, he he's, could take over a game. He can, and he's. A, I mean, he did that against Cleveland. Um, you know, he's a solid. He's solid as a rock. He and Millsap are the two guys I'm not really concerned about. There are Nick Markakis's, if you will. Yes, there are Nick Markakis's. Um, so what I'm really concerned about is Dennis and Dwight. Um, our offense has consistently consistently slowed down with them on the floor at the same time. Uh, we've looked decent with them in there recently, particularly against Charlotte and Boston. 
But the offense is just so stagnant when they're both out there. You know, if we look past this recent hot streak and look at the season as a whole, um, you know, it actually looks like a team when they're not out there for the most part. I mean, you think about that comeback against Cleveland. Dennis and Dwight aren't in the game. Yeah, well, the good thing is I like that Bud has shown that he's willing, if another lineup's working uh, better than the starters, he's going to keep them out there even in crunch time. The if. I mean, if Dennis and Dwight aren't getting it done... Yeah, he'll, he'll, he'll make a move, which is fine. Um, I would love to see a, a lineup of Millsap, Tim Hardaway Jr., Ursan Ilyasova, Calderon, and Torian Prince to be the starters. As silly as that sounds, yeah. that's been one of our more effective looks we've been running out. And I want Chris Humphreys to get more playing time. Yeah, he should. And Moose. Yeah. Um, but I know that's not going to happen. Bud's going to roll with his starters that have been his starters for the whole season. And uh, we'll see what happens. But, you know, the Wizards are playing well, 18-12 and 12 since the All-Star break. They've had signature wins against Cleveland uh, away and at home against Golden State. I also think they took Cleveland to overtime recently and lost. Um, Wall is a legitimate superstar. He's the best player on the court in this series. Uh, and Beal is more than a solid running mate. Um, and despite the fact that the Hawks are clicking and moving the ball better, I still don't know what to expect from this team because of their incredibly inconsistent play. Um, it's just hard to know what we're going to get. What's your prediction for the series? Uh, I think the Wizards with home court are going to win in six. Yeah, that's what uh, that's what scares me as well as us not having home court. Yeah, we have played better. I think if, I think if we had home, uh, that's true. We do we, suck we, at home. We though. played better away from uh, from Phillips recently, but at the same time, I'm just playoff basketball is different. This this run over the last week has been amazing, but you know it's it's an outlier in my book. It's a small sample size we kind of know that this team is maddening and I expect when you play a series for two weeks, you're going to have a couple of maddening games and John Wall looks like a man on a mission and he's going to be the difference maker, unfortunately in the series to me. And I think he's going to push Washington over the top. I hope I'm wrong. I wouldn't be surprised if we win either though. I think we can win, but I just, I think at the end of the day, Wall is going to be the X factor and we're going to, it's just going to be too much for us to handle. Uh, what do you, what do you think? Huh. I'm going to say Hawks and seven. Hawks and seven. Putting it on the record. What makes you think Hawks and seven? They're clicking. We've, ne- we've never had a, a Hawks team clicking like this coming into the playoffs. Uh, everyone's healthy. And that's just my gut feeling, Graham. All right. Going with my gut. So we're going to win in the Verizon Center. Hell game yes. Seven. Hell yes. That'll be, that'll be interesting. That'll, that'll be our, our one like, uh, like, win on the road. Yeah, like you said, if we win this series... We match up so well against Boston. We could we could get up the East, We can get yeah. to the Eastern Conference Finals. Yep. It's just we got to take care of business here, and it's going to be a challenge. So, we uh, as we mentioned, we're not going to do a Falcons segment. So we're just going to ramble on for a little bit. So bear with us. Um, <clears throat> There's not a lot of Falcons news going on. Um, so I was listening to no more fullbacks. No more fullbacks. Sorry, Adam. We're not <laughs> signing any more fullbacks. I have nothing else to say. About I think we need more fullbacks until so training camp. Talk about some fullbacks. We're not going to talk about fullbacks. Okay. So um, I'm going to call it a particular show that's much better than us. You know, is well, that's all like opinion based. It is, but objectively <laughs> depends speaking. on who you're talking to. They obviously have a lot of experience. The professionals. Um, it's one of the best. It's one of the best shows in on Atlanta sports radio today, in my opinion. Uh, Dukes and Bell, fantastic show. I've been listening to Mike Bell for over a decade. I think he's hilarious and has a lot of great takes. Um, 
But I was listening to them this week, and they were talking about someone again brought up this Richard Sherman possibility of Richard Sherman going to the Falcons. And I'm so tired of hearing about this shit. We talked about this last week. We don't want him for the asking price. On paper, yes, you'd love to have Richard Sherman, but you think about logistically what you're giving up. What you're giving up is stupid, and the secondary is actually he'll be gone in like a year or two, anyways. Yeah, the secondary is actually the one place where we're pretty steady now that we have True Font back. And so I, they weren't taking calls, so I texted and I was sitting in the stoplight, and I was like, and, and they both want Richard Sherman really badly, and I was like, you know, guys, we have other areas of need on this team. This is you tweeting. This is me, them. no texting. Texting. Yeah, they have a text oh, line. the text line. Yeah. So I was texting to him. I said, guys, we have other... Was that sponsored by? Uh, Solomon Brothers. Okay. Diamond text line. <laughs> um, so I was, I was texting him. I said, guys, we have other areas of need on this team. Um, you know, we need to look into making sure that we secure our draft picks for, you know, for guard especially to protect our $100 million quarterback. And our secondary is good enough. That's a hell of a text. Yeah. And, um, and I say secondary is good enough, you know, with the assumption that they realize that Trufant just signed... Uh, that big extension, and that he's going to be our number one shutdown corner. Well, being radio professionals, I'm sure they realized that. Oh, yeah, I'm sure they did. But to sensationalize it, they read my text about two minutes later, and they only read the one part that says our secondary is good enough. And they're like, what? Were you watching that Super Bowl? What, what is wrong with all these so guys? So they did read it out on the radio? Yeah, they read the, just that one sentence, though, of oh. just my, me saying that the secondary is good enough without the context of anything else. Right. And so it made me, they didn't call me out, right? Like, they called me out, but they didn't call me out directly, but... You know, I I was miffed, and I was like, <laughs> I texted them again. I was like, "Look, this is obviously with the assumption that Trufant is back and is our number one shutdown corner." And you, you know, and I said, "You guys aren't thinking about what we have to give up for him. You're not talking about that. You're talking about, uh, you know, just getting Richard Sherman, and, and you're not thinking about logistically how that's going to work." Right. And of course, they didn't read that at all. This is real life. There are uh, consequences. You don't just yeah. you don't just they're get a guy like for, that for nothing. They're asking for a starter and for a first round pick. Now, if you want to say you want to give them Alfred and a first round pick, I could understand that to a degree. But at the same time, I'd want that first round pick for guard. I want it for guard. I want defensive end. If you think that our defensive, um, if you think that our defensive line is not in as dire straits as our secondary. You are insane. I'm not saying that's what they said, but that's just my take on that. And I would like to point out... This is a Graham hot take. He's currently pointing his finger at the mic. Yeah, I would like to also point out that we held the Patriots... We held the Patriots the three points through almost... Through three quarters. Through three quarters. And the only reason those bastards came back was because our (laughs) offense could not stay on the field and on our defense got gassed because they played so many snaps. Lest we forget that our secondary had a pick six against Tom Brady without true fun on the field. So for them to call out the secondary like that pisses me off because they played really well until the end. They had a couple of gimmicky-ass catches with Julian Edelman. Yeah, yeah, and, uh... and now that we have true fun back, that puts us above. That puts us where we need to be in the secondary. These guys are still developing in Alfred Poole and Collins and true we don't need to bring in Richard Sherman because we need a guard and we need another defensive end. Graham, I think you got to call into their show this week. Maybe I will. <laughs> I'll just play him this take. <laughs> but anyways, I, I thought it was horseshit. Yeah. I thought I was, I was treated very unfairly, as Donald Trump would say. Oh, very unfair. They're, they're being very mean to you. Yeah, they read I, one I sentence. They sensationalized it for radio, and I get I, it. I was getting a little annoyed uh, this week as well with another one of the uh, Atlanta uh, radio stations. The front row with... Uh, Finn and uh, Stakey, Stakey and uh, Sandra Golden. Um, they interviewed Matt Ryan, 
this week uh, at an exclusive, and I I guess some of the other outlets like had like mics in the room at least to record it, and then Stakey is just going on a 15, 20 minute rant on the radio about how the AJC is full of shit because they didn't credit them with uh, the interview, which is fine. You can say that once or twice on the show, but there he's just going on and on and on about this for a solid 20, 25 minutes and he keeps coming back to it. And to me, it's behind, it's behind the scenes uh, discussion, not on air discussion in my eyes, because I don't give a shit. Right. I, I mean, I, I, a fellow media guy, I suppose. Maybe I should start caring about these things. But uh, I just thought they were ranting a little too long about it um, and just not hitting the uh, what we actually want to hear. Yeah, and I think this also kind of reminds me of what I just did with uh, Dukes and Bell. Yes. Which is kind of funny. <laughs> Very ironic. But end of the day, I thought it was a bit of a personal problem for uh, Stakey in front row. And, um, well, I think it makes total sense for them to be miffed about it. And I don't have an issue with them pointing that out uh, on their show because um, it's a way publicly to defend themselves and to make their case. Right. Um, now you could say settle this you know, behind closed doors, but um, I don't have an issue with that. Sound like they needed a one-on-one conversation with. Uh, but if you ran about it for, AJC. if you're saying for like a whole segment for 15 minutes, yeah, yeah a little much. Yeah, we get, we get the point, Stakey. But uh, yeah, I thought that was bullshit when they get that. You know, you work to get that interview, and then uh, you have guys not crediting you for 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 talking to Matt. So it is bullshit, but I don't care. Fair enough. Um, so now we got our interview of the week <laughs> with this random fuck that we pulled off the street. Um, you know, I was noted. I think I can't remember if I made this comment on air last week or not. Uh, by the way, sir, how are you doing? I'm doing all right. How are y'all? Uh, pretty good. And pretty you good. don't want to give your name for the audience. I do not. I'm a little worried about the uh, the master secret police. Could we call you? What, what do you want to go by? <laughs> deep cock. <laughs> <laughs> Instead of deep fruit. I think that works. All right, deep cock. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> now you see why he didn't want his uh, name out there. Um, yeah, I noticed last uh, week that there were a lot fewer uh, white guys hanging around Atlanta, and you know why? Interesting. Why is that? Because the Masters was going on. They were all, they were all in Augusta. All the white people were at the Masters. They, they were at the Masters. Yeah. Um, tell us about the Masters. Was it your first time there? It was my first time at the Masters. It was my first golf tournament at all. That's pretty cool. Um, I mean, overall, it was it was a fun time. It was a good day. I got a ticket. Through work to the uh, the very fancy VIP lounge at the Masters hospitality lounge, right? Yeah, it was, it was very nice. Where do you work? <laughs> <laughs> How much do you make? Come on, deep cock, give us some details. <laughs> <here. laughs> we don't have to get into that. Do you have four hundred one k setup? I do indeed. Okay. Oh wow, this guy's legit. Yeah. Um, Graham, you've been to the Masters before. I've right? been to the Masters once. I went to the practice round when I was about. 12, 13, um, we had stayed out, you know, we got their Super Bowls early, and it was like 4.30 p.m., we got there at like 7, it was like... In the a.m.? In the a.m., and, right. and it was like 4.30, we were exhausted, and it was me, my uncle, my cousin, and my dad, and um, so my cousin, myself, and my dad all, we, we just, we were at like the 15th hole, and we just passed out on the, uh, the fair, not the fairway, but um, near the green, but where the spectators were. Right, and so we're it's pretty standard for a golf tournament. We just fall asleep. Yeah, we're tired. It's so comfortable. 
you know, you could hear the Masters theme. They have the best grass. They do have the best grass. It was very comfortable. You could hear the Masters theme playing in your head. You could almost hear Jim Nance whispering in your ear. Yeah. The birds were chirping. People were clapping. Golf balls were getting hit. Primed for a nap. Yeah, it was very nice. And uh, and so we just hear um, someone say over us, wake up, sleeping babies. And my dad thought it was his brother. And he got very upset and got up. That's about like, what the fuck? And then he saw it was a uh, security guy. The and, master uh, secret police. Yeah, and so I don't understand why they and, wouldn't and let you sleep. Though that's what I said. I mean, we're not. We're, either way, we're going to be taking up that space. Why not let us let us sleep if we want to? We, we paid money to go there, right? It's because of the decorum, or whatever, and etiquette. Fucking pretentious bastards. <laughs> All right, I agree. <laughs> All right, so but, tell us about this hospitality suite. So, did you just stick there the whole time, or did you? Uh, no. So the hospitality suite. There, there are four restaurants in this. You know, kind of complex type place. Lynn Swan was greeting everybody as they walked in. Oh, Swanee. I didn't introduce myself because I barely know who that is. But, uh, uh, for the listeners, who's Lynn Swan? Some football player. And I, I don't know who it is. He either. played on the Steelers. He won a Super Bowl. He was pretty good. Why was he there? He's a member. Ooh. Wow. Mm-hmm. He must feel pretty great about himself. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, the four restaurants. There's a replica putting greens. And as well as a, another practice green, so that was actually a lot of fun. They, you know, they got clubs and, and balls, and you get to and caddies as well, and you get to go uh, just put around replica greens and see what it's actually like. It's incredibly difficult, uh, but I was, uh, as Graham would say, I was miffed by the fact that they didn't let you keep the the golf ball that you used to putt with. Very unfair. Which, <laughs> for the price those tickets cost, I think they could uh, afford a few golf balls. Well, how many people are putting? Does it matter? The ticket was through the roof. I'm on, I'm on the master side. Seriously? Of being able to keep the ball that you put it with? Golf well, ball costs like 10 you bucks, You know, maybe man. it's, maybe it's uh, <laughs> one to 2,000 people, maybe. No. 2,000 golf balls, a lot of golf balls. Yeah, it's the master. You could have purchased some golf balls. They wipe their ass with your 2,000 golf balls. Get the hell out <laughs> right, of here. It's nothing to them. What are you, what are you sticking up for these elitist bastards over the common man? <laughs> well, because this is like a setup. It's like if you go to the Braves game, I was about to say Turner Field. Remember where they had those games set up, like where you would throw, uh, see how fast you could throw a... Yeah, yeah pitch, yeah. Do you expect to keep that baseball? No, of course no. not. But that's not What's the, the, difference? VIP, that's not the, the VIP lounge, and the ticket didn't cost over $1,500. That's fair. Yeah. You go in a Braves game for 30 bucks. Well, did you get any souvenirs? I, I was required to purchase some. You were uh, required by your, your quote-unquote company? Yeah, what, what no, company did you say you worked for again? No, it was just some people requested some souvenirs. Uh, I, I otherwise would not have purchased things. Did you purchase it with your own funds or I the company? I did with my own How much money. money did you spend? <laughs> I, I, only spent, I only spent about $80 in the gift store. Pretty good. Which I'm pretty confident People rack, I mean, the they, lowest amount anyone spent. Yeah. It's pretty absurd. I mean, they have, you're, you are herded into that gift, gift shop like cattle. Yeah. Uh, and then you're stripped of your money and you leave with a bunch of junk. Are you, uh, <laughs> are you later, do you later get your, you get your head cut off as you're going out like a, like a steer would? Does it feel like it after you spend all that money? <laughs> Yeah, it's crazy how much people drop at golf tournaments, though. Um, so you got the experience going, but how? I guess the, the fan experience in terms of going the VIP stuff and the gifts, gift shop and whatnot. But how was the actual golf? How was experiencing that? I, I enjoyed. I enjoyed the golf. I didn't wear my glasses, so I, I pretty much had no idea what was going on most of the time. So how could you enjoy the golf, deep cock, if you can't <laughs> if you can't see what you're looking at? Uh, I could see well enough. The on, energy? 
Yeah, there's some of that. Smells and, you know, of the place? I could see well enough in certain situations, um, and in others I had no idea what was going on. Some hard hitting you know, stuff. The, the, course, the course is very pretty, but everyone makes it out to be, you know, they say it's the most beautiful place they've ever been to, and I, I didn't think so. I thought it, it, was, it was pretty. But <laughs> I wasn't impressed. I wasn't, I was, you know, my, I was expecting a little better, and I also find it hard to find a place with 50,000 people crawling around it very beautiful in the first place. Yeah, I'm, I, it's funny because I used to work uh, for the PGA, and so I've, I've been to many a tournament, but. I always just enjoyed watching golf on TV more personally. Yeah, well, you, you can see you everything a lot better. You yeah, can see everything a lot better. You can see everything. Like, you don't, there's so much strategy in watching golf out there, too. Like, yeah, do you just stick at right. one spot? Do, yeah. you, do you follow one group, whatever, which everyone yeah. else is doing? That's been my thing. When I've, I've only been to about three tournaments, I think. But I've always liked to camp at a, at a green. Yeah, and um, just watch everyone come through. Yes, that's, that's what we did on in the afternoon. Is we we had chairs and and we were at the 16th and just watched, you know, the the final groups come through, which was nice. But we didn't see anything exciting. There were no birdies. Who was uh, who? Who did you see of note? Did you see Jose Maria uh, you know, Olazabal? I don't know. No. <laughs> we probably saw the last six or seven pairings on Saturday. Okay. <laughs> You um, have no idea who he is anymore. I, you know, I watched Sunday. He couldn't you know, see obviously them. He couldn't Sergio, see them. <laughs> Peacock forgot his or whatever. You know, there's so many names. Tiger wasn't there, so I was... I, I, I do. I'm definitely one of those guys that I'm less interested in golf with Tiger or not. Right. There. I, I'm a Tiger guy. He, I'm a huge Tiger There's so much more energy when Tiger's Tiger's there. made... Tiger made golf interesting to those that never found it interesting. Right. And without him, uh, it's sort of been... It seems like that a lot of people who got into the game because of Tiger now don't give a shit anymore which i can understand um, i do have to say sergio winning that was like the one guy that wouldn't like pique my interest that was pretty cool. that was cool i was rooting for sergio that yeah. was cool I, I thought he was gonna he was gonna lose lose it oh because he always chokes but I have, I have a great sergio story so one i went to a tournament in crab apple can't remember what, what the hell's crab apple i don't know sounds like some made-up town probably um but it was uh it was one of the last tournaments of the year i think it was like 2000 uh, i don't know six and Sergio, um, pulled a classic Sergio, like double bo- double bogey to hole. He's only down by like two strokes with like seven holes left, and that put him not too far down the leaderboard, but he can never recover. Right. And as he's walking past us, just like mierda, mierda, puta, 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 <laughs> he's just cursing up a storm, you know, to the in Espanol, in Espanol, <laughs> and uh, you know, you don't really realize how much these guys curse until you go to a golf tournament. It's, oh yeah, uh, it's it's quite interesting. Yeah, they, I just remember uh, cussed their asses off. Freddie Couples was uh, hitting his second shot, and he shanked the hell out of it. And he just hits it. You just hear "fuck," just as, as loud. Freddie, yeah, just wow. like as loud. Uh, you know, it just rung through the uh, crab apple, all through crab apple. <laughs> and to be honest, I don't I don't know that I heard a lot of cursing. Oh, really? That day out on the course, maybe I didn't see a whole lot of bad shots, but I also think that you know. If you curse too much at the Masters, there might be a yeah. The, uh, the ground might open up and swallow you into probably. some sort of jail cell. You'd, you'd be fucking yeah, eviscerated they'll, they'll, they'll on sight. They'll get on you. So what else, what else you got for us from the Masters? Uh, just you know, it. I didn't think it was what it was cracked up to be. I I don't really enjoy golf people that much. I think they're pretty, like you were saying, they're pretty pretentious and mm-hmm. oh yeah, and stuck up. And Did you get dressed up? Seat. Did you wear a suit? No, I didn't. I wore shorts and tennis Khakis? shoes. And, uh, Did you wear a colored shirt? 
I did wear a collared shirt. It wasn't a golf shirt, though. Did you touch yourself before you left? No. <laughs> <laughs> interesting, interesting. Uh, how, how are they pretentious? So kind of how, how I feel about the Masters is, Grant, have you seen the movie Get Out? Yes, great film. I, I feel like it's a little bit like that where, you know, the, the boyfriend goes home to whoa, the wife. Whoa, 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 whoa. I haven't seen it. Well, it'll be all right. It's a, he's just going to say the premise. No spoilers for Get Out. Okay. There might be a little bit of a spoiler, but, you know, you saw it coming. Okay. Possible spoilers for Get Out. Boyfriend goes home to the White family. It's a very genteel, courteous... With his girlfriend. With his girlfriend. Uh, you know... He is black, she is white, for those that don't know. Correct. You know, in the family, it's this facade of being very nice and having etiquette. Open-mindedness. Being, op- you know, I don't know if the Masters have much open-mindedness at all. Uh, hey, Condoleezza Rice is there now. True. They're very open. They're making strides. They're the most open. And, you know, they have this facade of all of that. And I, f- and I feel like, but deep down, there are probably a lot of undercurrents of, mm-hmm. you know, other issues yeah. that the Masters is familiar with. And I, I find it hard to reconcile uh, those two things. Is you got the beauty, but I think that it comes with a lot of undercurrents of uh, other issues that aren't discussed. Oh, that's a that's quite that's insightful. A, yeah, that's, that's <laughs> a, some hard hitting stuff from this random guy. Yeah, I mean, Deepcock's bringing the uh, it's going balls deep. Thought this one through. Yeah. yeah. Uh, actually, before we wrap up this interview, we do need to link the Masters back to Atlanta sports somehow for our viewers. How do we do that? I did have to drive from Atlanta to Augusta to get there. And there it is. There it is. And that proves that if you're looking for a guy who's voice sounds similar to this and you want to hunt him down and slit his throat because he stole money from you. Uh, he lives in Atlanta somewhere, so. Wow. <laughs> uh, so thanks for dropping by there, uh, Deep Cock, old buddy. No problem. Yeah, and always great to see you. Yeah, and we'll never see I you I thought again. I was a random man off the street. Well, I like my random men on the streets. And who doesn't, everyone? Who doesn't? <laughs> um... That wraps up our show for today. Go Hawks and your series against the Wizards. Braves close out this. Keep it up. Uh, this home stand or this home series against the Padres Strong. I'm going to the game on Sunday. I'm looking forward to it. Um, so social media bullshit. We got some more followers over the last couple of weeks. So thank you for that. Um, if you're looking for us on Facebook, it's at Atlanta's Own Sports Podcast and. If you're looking for us on Twitter, we're at ATL's Own Sports. Oh, quick shout out to my brother, Edward Kalal, who yes. uh, correctly pointed out that in our uh, top five pinch hitters of all time, we failed to mention Francisco Cabrera. Yeah, who was the guy, if you don't remember, who hit the pinch hit single to drive in Sid Bream in the 1992 uh, NLCS. So that was an egregious error on yes, our part. Yes, um, that's why we don't get paid the big bucks. Yeah. And... Uh, we clearly we have fucked up. 44 listeners. Yes. So, shout out to one Edward Kalal. And uh, if we could do it again, we would add Frankie on the list. And that's it, folks. For Adam Kalal, I'm Graham Waldrop. Hospitomnosip. Hospitomnosip.